may not have a film fixation, but we're here for a noir education. Beebidi-boo, doo-doo-doo-doo, Welcome to A Real Education Noir. I am Melissa, and I am joined, as always, by... Tanya! And by... Allie! And the three of us will be watching today... Kiss Me Deadly. <gasps> Ladies, what do we know about Kiss Me Deadly? It's a song. Very good. Very good. <laughs> That's more than I knew. I was going to count down how fast it would be until somebody mentioned the song. And it's like right out the bat. <laughs> this is very she was impressive. there. Yeah, totally. She was there right out of the gate. And I'm just like, uh, I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, because that's about all I know. Okay. Okay. So one more thing than I know. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Kiss Me Deadly is um, not surprising that neither of you have seen it. It's actually kind of hard to get hold of. Hard to see these days for various reasons. Um, it every once in a while pops up on Netflix. It's not on there now, but it is a 1955 film noir directed by Robert Aldrich who was the guy who made things like The Dirty Dozen. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. I'm like, yes. I know that name. Yes. Yep. Aldrich. Uh, very influential director. And uh, this is one of the most influential films of the 1950s. Not just films noir, but films. And we'll discuss why after we watch the film. But it is a Mickey Spillane adaptation. It is a Mike Hammer film. Ooh. So it is one of the... Yes. Secret. It's a secret writer film. <laughs> it no, it well maybe no no. I think it's a. It, I mean, Mickey Mickey Spillane wrote uh, all these dime store right, detective right, right. Yeah, novels, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know his biggest creation was Mike Hammer, the character of Mike Hammer, and you know dozens and dozens of novels about this this uh, character, kind of like Philip Marlowe was for was it Chandler Raymond Chandler. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. But, you know, Mike Hammer is a little bit of a different feel to him. And uh, the thing that's really remarkable about this movie is that it really kind of goes into how Mike Hammer is different from other detectives. And um, also, it's it's just a really remarkable film where you see certain things crop up. And, uh, like, when I first saw this film, it's like, oh, my God, I know where so many other things came from. I know where Pulp Fiction came from. I know where Raiders of the Lost Ark came from. You know, there there are these elements in this movie that pop up and you go, this is the genesis of this trope. So, it, very interesting movie. And um, I'm a big fan of Robert Aldrich. And so, and this is one of my favorite Aldrich movies. Along, You know, Dirty Dozen is like my favorite favorite just because, you know, it's a Dirty Dozen. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I love you know, macho war movies, especially ones like that one, which are kind of like an, an undercut to that sort of mm -hmm. thing. And there's a lot of that going on here, too. You can tell that Robert Aldrich was a, um, he was this big liberal humanist who also didn't shirk away from showing the ugly side of life. He he pushed the envelope in terms of violence and, you know, crude characters and things like that. And so it's really evident in this movie. So anyway, those are just some things to watch for. It is a really fascinating film and i'm very excited to uh 
show this to you guys. So, dear listeners, if you have problems finding it, actually search YouTube because that's mm. where um, right now there's a high definition copy Ooh. of it. I don't know how long it's going to stay up, but it is also a film that's easily available on DVD if you're willing to just spring for the DVD, sure, or you know just rent it from uh, the Netflix actual disc. Uh, they send you a disc in the mail, the old school thing. Mm -hmm. So that is where I know you can reliably find it right now. And, you know, a few months down the road, who knows, it might pop back up on streaming. So anyway, we will uh, be back after watching the film. Woohoo! Yay! Yay! The night is mighty chilly And conversation seems pretty silly I feel so mean and rot I'd rather have the blues than what I've got And we are back. Well, ladies, what did you think of our friend Mike Hammer? And the movie around him. Uh, I actually really enjoyed my camera. Because <laughs> that was a very non-traditionalist uh, P.I. Mm-hmm. protagonist. Mm-hmm. You don't, He was not the P.I. with a heart of gold. Oh, mm-hmm. no. No, like, no, 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 his, no. His entire no. reasons for taking on the case uh, that, you know, had a t- very tragic outcome was strictly because he's like this sounds big i bet there's money like, oh, yeah yeah <laughs> jewels or yeah you know, yeah there's, there's or, something yeah. there's some kind of big influence to be taken from this was, not because yeah. i you know something terrible happened to this person that no. i barely know it was not it was not she was so sweet somebody should should find out why she had to die no no, no it was no. all about what can i get from this because this is big well, that and, you know, you pissed me off because you tried to kill me. Well, there's that. Well, yeah. I, that I that would make sense, but it wasn't even, still wasn't even about that. It wasn't well, even about his revenge, no, it was like really. The, it was, that was like a secondary. Yeah, secondary, secondary motivation. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it would have been enough to motivate him yeah, entirely. Yeah, I think Reed was first and if then had, If he had thought it was mm-hmm. like small potatoes, he wouldn't have bothered. No, no. It would have been, the revenge isn't worth it, fuck it. Well, yeah. I think. I think. I, I think. Well, see, like, it's so weird because usually you know, you can kind of tell, like, oh, he needs money, so the car would have been really important to him. Right. But he but doesn't... He, he, he seems he to have, have money. He doesn't have that. He wasn't looking for a girl, so he no. didn't have the love angle. No. He was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this now. He was just kind of an asshole. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Like, well, he was not a kind dick. of, but there definitely an no asshole. There kind of, a, yeah. A bedroom <laughs> dick. Yeah, bedroom <laughs> dick. <laughs> And he, he's, he's a private dick who's a dick. He's a dick. He's a dick. He's a dick dick. He's a dick dick. Dickception. Which, which Dickception. Wait, isn't a dick dick like a, like a small antelope type creature? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's like a, like a, like a tiny deer. You yeah. Zoo. Yeah. They're, they're adorable. Not like So he was, he was not that kind of dick dick. Oh. No. And now because Jack is was in it, mm-hmm. now I'm spelling his name with a D. At the end, so it means that kind of African gazelle thing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. See, circle. Sequel nice. to Zootopia? We have it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, Jesus. It'll take a dark well, turn, but, you know, you could do it. 
Well, and yeah, you know, you the Zootopia is, it'd be fine. Zootopia is super it's noir, actually. Stuff. Yeah, it's, it it's is. basically the, the plot of Chinatown, really. I mean, it's... With a lot less crazy Nicholson. Yeah, but there there's a full-on uh, Godfather sequence, which I really, <laughs> truly appreciate. Oh, all the people in the theater with me seeing Zootopia, it's like, I could not stop laughing during that part. But anyway, that is going Sorry, far afield. I went somewhere with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, um, this movie is pretty much right at the dividing line between 40s noir coming into the 50s and then outgoing into the atomic <laughs> age and into the cynical 60s. Literally yeah. like, into it the is, atomic age. Yes. It is like, right there. Oh this, my this God. was the herald of, yeah, wow. Yeah. And so not knowing how science works. Well, well, well the, thing, the thing is, it's, I mean, even back then... I mean, I have the a copy of the papers from the t- uh, Trinity test site, and it's like they didn't fucking know either, you know. Well, th- yeah, true, but they, I mean, okay, yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and well, yeah, there and, are things, and-, and and the the thing is, the movie is very self referential about. It's the great what's it. Yeah. They're not mm-hmm. actually defining what it is. I yeah. mean, you know it's an atomic thing, thing. and yeah. it's radiation. It's Marcellus's soul. It's Marcellus's soul. It's mm-hmm. the Ark of the Covenant. You open it up, it glows, and horrible, horrible things happen. But it's, it, you know, Hitchcock came up with the concept of the MacGuffin long before this, of course. But... This movie is, like I said, really self-referential about yeah. it. They they call it the great what's it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it do. really doesn't matter what it is specifically. It's just the box that everybody wants. And don't open it. And don't open it. Don't fucking Jesus open fucking it. Jesus fucking don't open it. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, how, how great. Because you go. Yeah. For like <laughs> 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we shouldn't be making those noises. But anyway. <laughs> I'm getting oh, over a cough. It's, it's doing hard things to my lungs. But Cloris Leachman was yeah. young once. Yes, very young. Which, this was her very first movie. Which was very interesting and mm-hmm. kind of weirded me out a little bit. Yeah, it's it's very odd. Very odd. But, uh, and and she wasn't all around for very long. Just, no, but no. she was there and she played it. She, and she, she was key. She was good. She did, she did what she needed to do and... And she delivered one of the iconic lines of filmdom, which is, if we don't, remember me. Yes. And mm-hmm. it, there's there's a film blog out there, which I really love, called uh, If We Don't Remember Me. And all they do is they take, um, they make animated GIFs from movie stills. Oh, nice. But they're like almost high art because they're scenes where people don't move very much and you just watch them for a while and then suddenly a character blinks. Nice. That's, it's really subtle. Beautiful. If we don't remember me, that it's a great thing. It's a Tumblr thing. It's one of the few great things I've found in Tumblr. Anyway, yeah, this movie, there is so much going on here where this is, it is so atypical coming out of the noir era. And it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like strange. It's, it's almost like they took the noir plot twist Uh and said, I'm going to twist it so much that it stops mattering that it's twisting. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's and it's kind of opening up the the curtains on it's like okay, all these things that we kind of just smile and nod about film noir like the punching and all yeah. that is like no, this guy is sadistic. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mike Hammer is he gets a little grin when he's going to oh, beat the wait, shit out that, of you. That Diker oh, guy who is yeah. in the, in the apartment where yeah. he he realized he was there cuz he saw the burning cigarette and then so the 
<laughs> so the dude realizes that Mike knows he's there, mm-hmm. and so he's gonna run out and run Spain into him, and he's just standing there, like smiling. Yeah. And like, and then the other the other time where he kills the bad guy, the quote unquote bad guys, yeah, the gangster guys. Like, part of me at that point wanted to see. If you did a reversal of the point of view, like mm-hmm. Mike Hammer would be like Jason or Freddy oh, or yeah. some slasher guy, because he's just like always there and mm-hmm. he just like kills you yeah. and you can't do anything about it. Kills you dead. Yeah, it's it's a dark and movie. It is a cynical yeah. movie. And he doesn't die either. Yeah. Like oh. they keep trying to kill him and he just doesn't die. Mm-hmm. And, and... You know, even right up to the ending, which is a fucker act- of an ending. I am actually kind of surprised he didn't die, given Hayes Code. Well, well, here's the thing. I mean, we're, we're starting things. to get out of we're starting to get out of Hayes Code now, and which is part of the reason why we're seeing we see more movies like this moving into the '60s. Filmmakers are becoming, you know, bit braver and telling darker stories and right there with the ending where it's like the house blows up and these two people are like and completely irradiated and are are probably going to die within a few days you'd imagine they're just standing in there they're in the surf and you don't know what the actual ending is going to be this is just the end of this chapter and it can't go any good places from there yeah It, it is a dark cynical ending and it's going places where I mean, w- once you get to what's actually in the box, it starts going into sci-fi land. And and it's not in the cheerful, happy, oh, let's no. go take rocket ships to the moon sci-fi. This is the, we unleash the power of God oh. onto the earth. And um, this is where it's going to take us. Mm-hmm. And it's dark road. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah, that was a hell of an ending. Yeah. It, it went to a place I did not expect even a little well, bit. Well, yeah, considering how it was, I felt like at the, I felt like in the beginning it was, it was, I mean, it wasn't exactly reserved, but I felt it was smaller. It felt scale. like straightforward yeah. noir in yeah. the yeah, beginning. Totally. And then, it, and then yep. it just started expanding yep. into something like much more. So it went from like, to me, it felt like it went from like your typical noir and expanded into, okay, this one's a larger mystery. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it took the, the science fiction type of turn to it that it just made it a very um, multifaceted yeah. story in a way that I did not expect. Yeah, it suddenly it's like global in scope because yeah. once you bring atomic yeah. energy into this story, suddenly this is about so much more than just this mystery. Yeah, yeah, it, it's about the whole world around it and. Um, I seem to remember something about the ending, and I saw absolutely nothing about this when I was digging up trivia, but I seem to remember that the initial ending, like, they died in the house. Like, the house explodes, and that's the end. And, you know, like, the characters don't even get out of there, which is probably more realistic, but... Yeah. um, The Actually, probably kinder. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, really. (sighs) And uh, if I remember, test audiences didn't like that too much, so they tacked on the extra scene with well, oh, a couple there. shots of them being out in the surf. And, uh, you know, still not a happy ending. But no, but most audiences at least 
probably don't grasp the idea that yeah they're like oh they're they'll be alive yeah they'll they'll go to the hospital or something and yeah they'll because be fine. nobody I mean like you we didn't you understand saw the burn yeah of the radiation but oh, we yeah. didn't know the long lasting effects yes. at all oh yeah and uh, I mean the first time we ever saw that stuff it really in in a broad sense was from the victims of Hiroshima and yeah. Nagasaki and uh, that that wasn't no kind no. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, you know, the general public of America certainly didn't see that scope of what atomic energy was. I mean, they were being taught duck and cover, and that was adequate protection from being Mm -hmm. irradiated by an atomic bomb, and it's not. Yeah. It's interesting that they – the way that they gave people some idea that there would be safety. Yeah. Because it was better than saying there is no hope. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it keeps people calm in the the dire situation. Yeah. You give them a procedure and it it maintains order. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this film went to such a place. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, uh, when, when we finally, I I loved watching that, that scene with the, the, where you first see the box. Yeah, yeah. With you guys, because that is <laughs> that is totally the the scene where it's like, yeah, this is a really interesting. Memoir. Harry made me watch this. Harry Knowles, yeah, oh, yeah. did for yeah. Budnamathon one year, and we had to write a little answer about it on um, on our applications that year. But uh, we all watched it, and it's like this is really good. You know, this, this is you know interesting flavor for noir yeah. and definitely different. And then that scene hits where they get the box and you start to wrap your head around it. It's like, Oh shit, this is a game changer. And that box is, is the, the glow inside the briefcase and Pulp Fiction. It is Ark of the Covenant. I mean, literally by the end, you know, when the woman actually fully opens the box and burns up like a freaking Nazi. Yeah. It's Steelberg like stole that wholesale. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. He just left it in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's so many other things, you know, like what's in the box, what's in the box. And you know, you can think of seven and mm. it's, it's kind of, you know, even though, you know, many mainstream people, you know, even people who are film noir nerds have not, actually watched Kiss Me Deadly just because it's been hard to get hold of. Yeah. It's kind of filmmaker's film and yeah. and film people who are really big film nerds and and filmmakers like there's a lot of ground zero here. <laughs> there's there's a a lot of key elements that influenced a lot of people after. Yeah. Mhm. The the scene in the garage with the with the car lift yeah. thing yeah. Oh, that's gosh. been used Tons of times, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the level over. of violence is elevated yeah. and brutal, and it's sadistic. Yeah, yeah, and but it, without it, showing it, yeah, which it, I it's really not showing it. I love that technique, which yeah. I know a lot of it is because you couldn't get that kind of violence past mm-hmm. at that time. But when filmmakers go out of their way now to do brutal violence in that way, it's sophisticated. Yeah, I feel. Well, I think I think Aldrich, in particular, Robert Aldrich, the director, was kind of a, a master of that because he he liked showing violence that was like properly brutal. It's like not fun, yeah. to no. punch people, no, yeah, or you know, it's not something. It, it, if it's you not don't cheer, you, you don't, don't cheer, cheer when he, when he punches somebody. You're not like no. yeah, take him out like you are like when 
Captain America punches Hitler, you know? Well, like, yeah. whatever. It's not like that. I started it's... to be until he hit the guy's head yeah, against yes, the wall. Yes, Our very first, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah punch him. He's a, He has the worst of following you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now he is a smear. Yes. That that was yeah. a disproportionate reaction to that situation, buddy. Yeah. You maybe yeah. need some anger that, management that's courses. That's the first time I was like, oh, my God, this guy is a shitty-ass detective. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. who is following you? Don't you care? You do he, not. He no, does no. not care. He does not give a nope. single it's shit. Nope. You're after me. You are gone. Just yeah. Like, Boom. I mean, maybe if he hadn't pulled the switchblade, he'd have been alive. Uh, yeah, but, I'm not but, even sure. Because, like, if, oh no. I think if, if uh, the the quote-unquote protagonist is... Is this the first anti-hero? He, he's one of the, the first big... Anti-heroes yeah, in film because I feel I kind of feel I mean like, I mean we had we've we've seen kind of anti-heroes before because definitely Nightmare Alley yeah was led up yeah by, yeah yeah uh, a gentleman who is essentially a villain but and well in Public Enemy had that Public it, Enemy it did has not that. really have a a featured good guy yeah and and the the flavor of this is different than that yeah like, yeah. It's like you, Public Enemy you're supposed to kind of sympathize with him because that's his situation and yeah. That's well, and this this was like there was no he, rationalization for this guy. No, no, it's like yeah. you you start out thinking, okay, he's the good guy, and then you're like, he's but he's not actually a good guy. No, yeah. he's not. Like, and I and oh, got him pointing his girlfriend off. Yeah, yeah. well, like literally, it, oh. her job was to sleep with people, well, yeah. except for him because she wasn't good enough for him. Yeah, and like that, oh. The women in this movie made me so mad. I couldn't decide with her if... I mean... I felt like she still had some agency because she oh, yeah. still took she, she took initiative yeah, on those she things. She was better than on the s- other two. Yes, yes. Way on better. some level, she was doing it because that was what she wanted to do. So that she, Velda didn't bother me as much. He was right. still clearly taking advantage of her. Yeah, He's yeah, still yeah. a dick. Yeah, but it was that I do this because that's what I want to do. Yeah, you know. She gets something. Yeah, out I of mean, it. like that's it, it's better than like if she had just. Well, I mean, at least he never compl- tells her to do it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she she, she says, "I'm going to go do it." And she com- she tells him when it pisses her off too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's not like she's not. It's not like she's just lying there and taking it. Like, um, the uh, what was the movie with the horse farm? Uh, where oh, up, <laughs> where they end up with horses? That yeah, shit. yeah. She just took it. She was such a doormat. Oh, was that um? Yeah, asphalt jungle. Asphalt jungle. Jungle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that one. Thank you. Yes, but. Yeah, so Velda I liked, but like yeah, but everybody else is like, oh my gosh, these ladies have have nothing going. Although, although oh, I mean, although Gabrielle, you know, in the end, Gabrielle, so in the end, there there was that was beautiful. Shot. That was beautiful. Yeah, I don't, I didn't like it. Well, yeah, she's a. I didn't I don't like, like it because character. there was no no. I didn't like it because there was no foreshadowing of that turn. Well, I mean, well, like, kind I, of. Well, there, well, there kind of is. I mean, once, once she's revealed earlier to be a double agent, essentially, you know, she's she's what? masquerading as somebody else. Yeah. Once we find well, out we Lily Carver was level. dead. Yeah, but you didn't find that out until like the very, very. It's like that was the scene right before you see her with the doctor. Like the, okay, but yeah, I mean it's all third act. The, well, yeah, the other the other clue I had that I felt I had was. She was wearing Velda's clothes. Yeah. Right before, 
right before Velda. No, that, Velda oh, disappeared. That's good. We already knew Velda that. had been taken right. by the time and we. And she fa- said, "Oh, the next, Velda brought those." The over. very next scene is Velda brought that. Oh, I, point, got, point. I have perfume too. And and she just her demeanor had changed. Mm-hmm. And and it you know initially we're meant to believe oh it's because she has clothing Clothes now that and she fit. Feels she's better. got perfume. Yeah. She's feeling better. Like okay, she's feeling more comfortable in her yeah. skin. But instead, that was as soon as like. Okay, I as see, the pieces yeah. came together, I'm like, "Oh, you're the reason Velda's yeah, missing." Yeah, like in hindsight, I get that, but I certainly, I'm, and I'm used to picking up on mm-hmm. plot stuff like that. Oh, so but that that all moved like very, that was super and it was fast. a little incongruent. I yeah, thought. yeah, and 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 it's super subtle, and yeah, and, and I don't think the movie even meant you to pick on it, pick up on right. it. No, it's just I okay. And but, to be fair, if if Velda had not had a jacket in that last scene, I wouldn't have put that together but mm-hmm. i was like she's literally wearing velda's jacket mm-hmm. that i missed that, that i pulled because i saw that i saw velda pick up the jacket on the bed and they had the shot so mm-hmm. we knew that it but and i missed what happened to the jacket i missed that yeah. she was wearing it so, yeah that was yeah. The, i was like wait a second because by that point like when he drove to that last building and then she wasn't in the car when mm-hmm. he got out yeah by that point i was just like oh she she might as well be a suitcase <laughs> yeah. Like literally. He's yeah. just like sit here and she's like, okay. So until he came he came back and she wasn't there, I was I was so not paying attention to anything mm, yeah. to do with her. Well, yeah. I think that was kind of intentional that we weren't supposed to suspect her. Uh, I, I'm yeah, sure part I of it that. is yeah. part of it could be the uh, lazy writing or whatever, yeah. not not complete character for her because, right. because nobody really had a full complete no actualized character in yeah. the film just because there wasn't time yeah for it. i don't think there but was. Yeah. I, I yeah i couldn't decide if it if it was being a little bit lazy on her part or if it was like intentionally underwriting her so that we wouldn't yeah suspect. it might have been both actually yeah and i i because that's a hard line to walk especially yes. when there is so much twisting yes. and and flipping that, they that whole doing. film even just lasted longer than i expected it yeah to. mm-hmm not like in a bad way, but just no, no, a lot no. of the films we watch are very short. Yeah. The the, and, and the noir films tend to be very to the point and they move quickly and, and they are over fast. And it's like, okay, cool. We were getting, you know, into the third act of this one. And I'm just like, how is it not over yet? Like, mm-hmm. you, these films are usually much shorter. Mm-hmm. And this one had like a good... 15 minutes more than I expected. Yeah. And, and so it, you know, once you, once you get to the, the box, you know, it like expands. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. Yes. To that, fill it, that space. Exactly. It's like, I was expecting the box to be like the end of the film. And it was like, no, we have, oh, no. now we have another part to tell here. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was really interesting. But it, you know, it meant that there was just so much to unpack that it there it's was like, was yeah. it, is it because there was constraints there on the time we couldn't flesh this right, part right. out or was it done to make us fill in the, the clues or not catch them? Yeah. And I think, and I want to say, I, I'm guessing it probably ended up being a little bit of both. Yeah. Just yeah. because that having worked on performances and stuff like, creatively, like that's kind of what ends up happening yeah. a lot of the time. Like yeah. you just you don't have any more time or resources to do anything else. But I, I want to know more about Gabrielle and the doctor's relationship. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, because in, in the end, when you realize she's not as dumb as she's been. Mm-hmm. Been, mm-hmm. And it's clear that she's been fooling him into thinking that she's just doe-eyed and, and uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. She's playing a character. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, like the whole time. It was like as soon as she saw, okay, I've got it. I've got the score. This is all I need. I don't need him anymore. Mm-hmm. And she has that immediate shift of, yep. 
Like, she stands up straighter. Her, yep. her eyes are not as wide. Well, it's and just, especially once he's dead. Yeah. She yeah. totally knows what she's but, doing. But the the part that, that really made that interesting to me was even though he knows he's about to die, he doesn't just, you know, do like the, well, fuck you. And, right. You know, he goes... Okay, but whatever you do, don't open the box. I will give you the tools yeah. to take the money, you know, yeah. whatever it is that she's going to get for having delivered this thing. He His thing is that he doesn't want her to die because she opened the box. He still tries to protect her. So I'm like, what was that relationship? I don't that well, she, well, I don't think he, it's not, it's not I don't necessarily think he's protecting, protecting her. He's protecting he's pro- everybody else on the well, fucking planet. I suppose that's true, too. But it, it's... It, I, I love his response to when she asks what it is, what's in the box. It's like, it's the Medusa's head only. Yeah, it's, except yeah. instead of turning you into stone, it turns you into fire and fire. He goes through every single ash, yeah. possible metaphor, simile, story yeah. that yeah. A Pandora's box, uh, Lot, Lot's wife, wife yeah. you know, yeah. all of that. And it's all the same thing. Death is in the box. Yeah, this is this is the doomsday machine in here. Yeah, this is do, this is do not bl- black. The yeah. only one he didn't do is Blackbeard's closet. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that was the only one that I could think of that he didn't do. Yeah, but, she shot him before he could get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was going there. Next. He had to. He had to throw on the Severus one before he died. <laughs> like, it was just like if you hadn't said that, if you hadn't had to go with the whole oh, I'm like Severus and I'm just listen to me and bark it. Like shut up and tell her where she needs to take the box. You fucking idiot! You're dying. Like, get not that put, she was going to. You mythology to nerd, you need to stop. I kind of like that he did that. That felt genuine it, it, to me. Oh, it did. Yeah. It did. Because I totally, like, if I, if I ever get gut shot or shot or right. whatever, like, I'm totally going to just spout off about oh, random yeah. nonsense. No, it it's not that it didn't feel natural or, you know, or anything like that. It was just like, this is really important. Maybe shut the hell up. <laughs> don't, don't emphasize. Just spit out the facts, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing things. Oh, what a hell of a film. I love the autopsy guy every time I see oh, him. Oh, yes. I forget his name, but he is like, because he plays some of the sweetest little. Yeah. And then he just, he can turn it though. Yeah. Yes. And yes. that autopsy guy was a good turn. Yeah, this, this movie was, is just loaded with great character mm-hmm. actors and you know, partly because Aldrich loved working with character actors and also because this movie was made fairly on the cheap. And if I remember right, independently. Oh, that um, makes sense. Aldrich was a very interesting director where he, um, dear listeners, I did a, an episode of Xanadu cinema, pleasure dome, a giant two part episode, just about the films of Robert Aldrich. So it's myself and Noel Thingvall and, uh, Wendy Bowlesby. I'll link it in the show notes. It's, it's if you epic. want to know more about <laughs> Robert Aldrich, it's like three hours of just talking about Robert Aldrich. I've listened to it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really dense. And he made some of the greatest pieces of adventure, war, noir cinema ever. It's just great stuff. But anyway, Aldrich was this guy who, um, when he, he started working at RKO in, I think, like the 30s or even early 40s. And he worked his way up. Like he started as a production assistant and just climbed up the ladder and he he was a writer for a while and eventually by this point he was a director a producer and a writer and even though there are other people listed as like executive producer on this film they're kind of just figureheads because Aldrich had it written into his contract that he had full 
freaking control over oh, he, everything. He did in Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah. Nice. He, he he had full control over this picture. He he was producer. He was uh, he did some of the writing and he uh, definitely directed. And this was made very quickly. It was uh, filmed in less than three weeks. It and if I remember it, it was a minuscule budget. And uh, that's part of the reason why there weren't any big name stars in it. It's pretty sure. much all character actors. And, uh, you know, our lead is uh, Ralph Meeker, who he never really hit big in movies. He was a method actor. He was in the Navy during World War II, but he was injured and taken out of active duty. So he went into the USO for the rest of the war. And then okay. in 1945, when he came back, uh, he started hitting big on Broadway. He actually replaced Brando in Streetcar Named Desire. Oh. But, you know, by the time he uh, started trying to get into movies, his career just didn't light on fire. This may have been the biggest thing he was really in. He was also uh, Corporal Paris in Paths of Glory. Oh, okay. And uh, he was Captain Kinder in the Dirty Dozen, because when Robert Aldrich liked you, you got cast and stuff <laughs> over and over again. But anyway, um, Meeker eventually just kind of gave up on movies and went into TV and found a lot more success in TV. And he was actually in the first episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents Ooh. with Vera Miles, who was oh. the uh, brunette in Psycho. Anyway, it, it's, a, it's a great performance, but I think... So much of it is how Aldrich decided to direct and write right. Mike Hammer. Now, granted, I've never sat down and read the Mickey Spillane Mike Hammer novels, right. but as I understand it, they're pretty much just vectors for sex and violence. They're just, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, sure. they're, you know, if you're eating French fries with ketchup on them, you know, they're the French fry, and you know, the the sex and violence is the ketchup, and um, two great things that go great together. Well, yeah, yeah, and. As I gather, the the Mike Hammer novels aren't terribly sophisticated pieces of literature. Mm, you don't say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think by having Robert Aldrich direct it, direct this story, he found ways to make it really comment on sure. the times that they were living in. Yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of Mickey Spillane, as long as I want it. Um, Mickey Spillane was this uh, guy who was brought up in New York, New Jersey, and uh, he was a pilot in World War II. You know, everybody fought in World War II during this point in time. He was a Jehovah's Witness. He was a devout Jehovah's Witness. So it's like, how did that work? Uh, He went through like three wives. He was good friends with Ayn Rand for some reason. Mm. Are you sure? Okay. And uh, he was actually around until... You know, fairly recently, he passed away in 2006. Oh, wow. And when he passed away, he, by the time he passed away, he was very good friends with Max Allen Collins, who is kind of a modern noir writer. He wrote Road to Perdition. Oh, okay. Sure, sure, sure. Ah. And, um, I've actually done a book cover for him. It was, oh, nice. That was an interesting story. Oh, nice. But uh, Max Allen Collins wound up being his, ex- the, like, the executor of his estate or something and finished a bunch of unfinished Mike Hammer novels and, uh-huh. and things like that. Okay. So kind of interesting. And, and the Mike Hammer character was originally intended for comics because Mickey Spillane started as a writer for comics. He wrote Batman stories. He wrote oh, Superman, okay. Captain America, Captain Marvel. He did a few issues of. And, wow. and so he developed a character, I think it was named Mike Danger, to be 
put into comics. And then when that didn't pan out, he wrote Mike Danger into a couple novels. It was like a prototype from Mike Hammer. And then eventually came up with a full-on character from Mike Hammer. And there was like a dozen or so novels all based around my camera. And there are several movies that are uh, made from those books. The best known one is perhaps this one we just watched, but there was another one that was, um, it's called Girl Hunters. Okay. (laughs) And Mickey Spillane himself portrayed my camera. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's an interesting one right there. We, yeah. We might have to pull that up at some point if I can find it. But anyway, the, the the contrast between him and Aldrich, you know, Aldrich being kind of this great humanist, despite, you know, being kind of known for having these hard-boiled, gritty, macho movies, Aldrich was really kind of at the forefront. I mean, you don't really see it here because we've been complaining about the, the female roles. Aldrich is also the guy behind Whatever Happened to Baby Jane <gasps> and Hush Has Sweet Charlotte. Yes. Um, among other things, you know, he also did Flight of the Phoenix and uh, The Longest Yard and Attack, which is Lee Marvin with a bazooka. <laughs> Adding that to my list. Yeah. I've got a copy of Attack in here. We should just sit down and watch it at some point. But anyway, when Aldrich gets into female characters or uh, characters who are portrayed by people of color, um, he can be really sympathetic to these characters during times of history where it was not normal to be quite as sympathetic to people who aren't white male. Right. I feel this movie was early enough in his career, so I feel like it's maybe not quite as fully realized here as it was later. But I mean, whatever happened to Baby Jane was not far away from this, at least time-wise. Yeah. The character of Nick Vavavoom is very interesting in this movie. <laughs> I was trying to see what else that guy had done. Not much. Um, well, he was a, he was a Greek actor. He uh, his name was Nick Dennis. He was in Spartacus and oh. Streetcar Named Desire and East of Eden. Yeah, I was going to so say I just saw East of Eden. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, he in uh, Spartacus he was uh, Dionysius. I think. He was. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So he, you know, him being Greek, you know, he could kind of be a character actor that could be put into yeah. various roles like you know the i don't know what ethnicity that character was <laughs> but uh he, he sure was playing it whatever it was and uh the the other guy god was his name eddie the the other guy at the garage oh, yeah eddie yeah uh joano hernandez was a puerto rican man who grew up in brazil oh and there's not a whole lot of trivia out there for him that i could find on the fly but his success in movies actually kind of paved the way for various black actors uh, particularly like Sidney Poitier sure yeah I was actually that, that was something I was noticing during the film um they actually didn't comment a lot on the race right issues but there were a lot of colored people and not stereotypically like they weren't doing like the mammy stuff. Oh yeah, doing, they no, were just they were, there. They were far and away I from that. Liked yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, Kitty, you know, Kitty White shows up as the nightclub mm-hmm. singer. Uh, Kitty White being an actual nightclub singer from yeah. the L.A. circuit at the time. Uh, she was never a big recording artist, but uh, she's. If you've ever seen Night of the Hunter, she sings the lullaby. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's why, because I'm like. I know that voice. Mm-hmm. 
Also, if you've seen King Creole with Elvis. Yes. Uh, they sing crawfish together. Yes, they yes. do. That's, yes. Thank yes. you. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> I have a strange knowledge of Elvis movies. <laughs> thanks to my aunt. Awesome. So let's see, what else What else do we know about this movie? Uh, of course, loaded with character actors. You know, first of all, we have our, our favorite, Jack Elam, who is an American hero in my book. Jack Elam with the with the false eye. We, we talked about him during the Kansas City Confidential yep. uh, episode. And uh, also really funny, uh, we just watched both of the canon, well, both, there were very many cannonball run movies, but <laughs> watch the first two, the two Hell Needham ones. And of course, Jackie Elam playing the crazy doctor that goes on the ride with uh, with our lead protagonists. And God, he was just a wonderful character actor. He, just going for the gold with every single scene. Love him. Love him. Um, also, we had uh, Albert Decker as Dr. G.E. Soberin. You probably recognize him from The Wild Bunch, if you've seen yep. The Wild mm-hmm. Bunch. Uh, he was also in Kubrick's The Killers. He was a Broadway star since the late 1920s, and he, about 10 years later, he debuted in film. And he was a character actor for a long, long time, and then eventually turned back to the stage, rather than television. Yeah. Um, as he sure. got older and kind of got phased out of movies. Um, also, Paul Stewart, who was playing Carl Avello, he's one of the Mercury Theater players. Oh. He was in Citizen Kane. He's yep. the he's the mm. the like wily valet with the with the little yep. cigarettes, and uh, he was in Inco Blood and Twelve O'clock High. Great actor for villains. Um, you see him all over the fifties and sixties. Uh, he was a uh, hit on Broadway. He did tons and tons of stage work until he met Orson Welles and he got pulled into radio. He was part of the War of the Worlds cast on radio. And did a bunch of character work in film. And then eventually in the 60s, he went into TV acting. He did, he voiced cartoons. And uh, he eventually passed away in 1986. But long, very storied career for him. And uh, also Lieutenant Pat Murphy was Wesley Addy. Uh, he can be seen in Network and Tora, Tora, Tora. Mm-hmm. He's also in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane because Aldrich oh. liked working with him. Most of the people in this cast list yeah. were in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, Addie was, um, he was cast a lot by Aldrich. He was in like seven or eight Aldrich films because he was also in The Big Knife and Garment Jungle and uh, Hush Us Sweet Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, Ten Seconds to Hell. Bunches of them, bunches of them. He did a ton of soap operas after Ooh. after uh, the 70s arrived. So he was a big soap opera actor. Yeah, very interesting cast. But, you know, none of them are, are huge, huge stars or or ever turned into huge stars. I mean, the, the, the biggest name that worked on this was uh, Robert Aldrich. And, you know, perhaps if you know your cinematographers, Ernest Laszlo. Ernst Laszlo uh, was cinematographer for a ton of Aldrich stuff, also Billy Wilder movies. Uh, he filmed about 60 movies and had eight Oscar nominations. He won for uh, Ship of Fools, but you know he worked on stuff like Stalag 17 and Judgment at Nuremberg, uh, Inherit the Wind. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Let's see, what, what else do I know about this movie? Oh! <laughs> so, the Kefauver Commission which is this federal body that was formed in, 
I think it was late 40s, kind of alongside the whole McCarthyism thing. This was a federal unit dedicated to routing out corrupting influences in American <laughs> culture in the 1950s. Oh, Jesus. They had it in for this movie. They saw this and they decided this was the most corrupting thing that ever happened in 1955. But why? Nothing about this movie is you know, unrealistic <laughs> or, so or promoting <laughs> violence? No, no. Not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Robert Aldrich did not like that. So he... Uh, Aldrich started this huge letter-writing campaign in defense of independent filmmakers and advocating for free speech and all that fun stuff. But yeah, so in the in the wake of all the McCarthyism and all the Hayes Code before it, we're still getting hit by it at this point in time. Yeah. I wonder what it would have been like without that. Yeah. Because like... Mm-hmm. If if you're if you're struggling against something like that, part of you wants to make it more visceral, more subversive. Yeah. So like if you didn't have that, would you be getting the same kind of interesting things that we see in this movie? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a whole thing where um if Spielberg had initially made Jaws like the way he wanted to make Jaws, uh, you'd see the shark all over the place. But oh, yeah. as it was, because the shark puppet didn't work, you barely got a glimpse of the shark, and that made it so much more of a potent movie. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even in the Hayes Code era, what you see in a lot of noirs is very subtle references to things that we can make much more direct references to now. But in some ways, keeping those things pulled back kind of makes you lean forward more, makes you listen more, makes you watch more. And there's like a level of engagement that starts aiding your personal dialogue with the film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like with something like this, you know, seeing where Aldrich went in his later years in terms of violence, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't out to glorify violence, but he was all for making it brutal. And there's something really striking about, like you were mentioning earlier, Allie, where you can't, show it all Mm -hmm. uh, during this point in time, but somehow that makes it more potent because your imagination fills in the gaps. Yeah. And your imagination can probably make up wilder, crazier, more horrible shit than Mm -hmm. anybody can put on a screen. Yeah, because I really had to wonder uh, how um, Sugar Small House got got it so violently that he, he, he shrieked like, like, Oh yeah, like oh, mad, yeah. and and oh, he yeah. had the look of horror on his face, and it's like, what did he do to you? Yeah. Like, damn! And the fact that they didn't have to show that made it. I I felt it. It gave it a lot more impact. Mm-hmm. Of what kind of beast is this guy? <laughs> oh, yeah, or even in the opening scenes, you know, you know, be, when they get done with the ca- opening car scene, and my camera's passed out on the bed, and all you see are the woman's legs, and you hear her shrieking. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you have no idea what they did to her, but whatever it was, it was. Don't awful. do it to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't do it to me. Ugh. It's just really good filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It's not a fun movie to watch, but it's really. Great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not one that I'm going to go to when it's a rainy day and I have nothing better to do. It's not It's not going to be something I put on later like, oh, yeah, I think I'll watch that movie. No, I won't. But, <laughs> but I, you know, when I'm like, hey, actually, there's this really good movie I got to show you mm-hmm. and I want to sit down and watch something with a friend, this might be a go-to for it. Oh, well, yeah, it's, it's the same thing with like Harry Knowles telling all of us, you got to watch this movie and I'm going to make it part of the application to get into this film festival this year. Mm. You got to watch the movie and tell me, answer a question that demonstrates to me that you watched it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he started doing that several years ago. Now it's tradition. Part of the application process is to watch a movie that he suggests to us and then answer a couple questions about it on the, on the application. This was the first movie he did it with. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And so it must have been one of those things where it's like, there's this great movie that nobody's seen, even though it's one of the most important movies of the 50s in terms of uh, influence on style of the things uh-huh. that came after it. Everybody's got to watch it. It's easily available for a brief moment in time. Go see it. How can it, how can it make everybody see it? Oh, I know. I will, I will put it as part of the application brilliant move yeah yeah and it, and it worked and, and all of us were like oh my god this is amazing i was uh sitting on twitter the night that i first watched it because usually when people go through the buttonumathon application process the people who have been there before have kind of banded together and so there's like this kind of community of people as we're going through and filling out the applications like Oh, I just sent in mine. What did you answer for that question? <laughs> yeah, sure. How did you how did you answer that one? And what did you think of this? And so we had this great communal experience watching all of us watching Kiss Me Deadly for the first time. And I was sitting on Twitter that night and I, and after that scene where they first encounter the box, I'm like, suddenly I realized where all the rest of cinema came from. Yes. Right. Because it's like you see that and you go, this is like things that I have loved since childhood, this imagery, um, mm-hmm. the these these iconic pieces of cinema have a predecessor, and it's this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's always it's always cool when you find the root. Yeah, of some some trope that you love. Yeah, it's like a a, a extra step beyond that you had no idea existed or or it's like some pop culture reference that you know is so permeated into yeah into our vernacular that you don't think about where it came from like the call is coming from inside the house yeah. Yeah. when i actually yeah. saw that film i was like oh my god like I, you know what it means but like to see oh this is the the origination of the call is coming from inside the house that's really cool. <laughs> i love moments like that when you see Wait, the stuff what movie does that come from black christmas yep I the seen that. the original Black Christmas with Margot Kidder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't. Seen She's that. the only name I can remember from that film because I love her stupid face. <laughs> it's not a stupid face; it's a great face. But <laughs> we should do real education horror and just have. Oh I'm God! In. Okay, awesome. So there. <laughs> it, it will, <laughs> that will just be me going. I'll also I'll, I'll go like stand in the kitchen and listen to it. It's fine, right? It's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll be here. I'll just be under a blanket mm-hmm. and and comparing it to the book. There okay, you go. There you because go. I will read horror, but watching <laughs> horror, unless it's bad horror like the stuff. Oh God, I, I love the stuff. <laughs> I love the stuff so much. Oh God. Anyways, anyway, anyways we're, we're, yes. we're far. We're far. That's a different again. podcast. That's a different podcast that we may have just birthed. Oh God, when do I have time? Oh no. At, at least, at least, real education episodes are easy to do, but. 
All right. And editing and all that stuff. But anyway, so, center. Are we center. wrapping up? I think we're wrapping up. Did, did you guys have anything else that. Uh, <laughs> I, I chose to believe that was a chemical reaction. <laughs> That's why I was not making the sound. Yeah, because I knew that would yeah, happen to me, I, and I don't stop. We have no learning curve. No, God, you guys did this earlier. Come on, we I did learned it all from, from you guys, Damien. Oh no! Oh no! I should have known that was coming. That's a great sound, though. I love when you open it up and it's like the howling of the angels. And it doesn't yeah. stop. Like, no, the house like... is completely exploded and it's still going. Yeah. It just reminds you that Medusa's <laughs> head is in there, yeah. turning everything to brimstone. Yeah. No, I think that was that was probably literally what was going on, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, chemical Death reactions the world can be really, come. really, really noisy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, was some, there was some pretty decent, uh, like... Uh, <laughs> use your words. <laughs> um, there were some pretty. I, I was impressed with the fire thing. Yeah, like I thought that yeah. the special the effect. effects, mm-hmm. the effects of the fire, and um, when the car went down the cliff. Yeah, yep, that was good. Mm-hmm. Which I actually was really impressed with the car. Is that the? That's not the first car going over the cliff. No, though. no, 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 no. no. I, heck, I think definitely even not. Hitchcock had done that before. Okay, you know, but. but a good car because like the bodies like because usually mm-hmm. you can tell oh those are stuff but those dummies like were were fairly decent mm-hmm. yeah. well, and, the, and I like fire so <laughs> oh, so do I I'm all I'm all for explosions mm-hmm. well I was a boy scout so all right hey all right so we should wrap this up so thank you for joining us on Real Education Noir I have been Melissa and I've been joined by. Oh, oh, me. Uh, one of you. One of you. Somebody say something. It's... <laughs> I was going to make the sound again. <laughs> but, Should we start this well, again? Yeah. <laughs> we can start this over. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us on A Real Education Noir. I have been Melissa and I have been joined by... Allie. And by... Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> she just faked us out. <laughs> so funny and I'm okay, I'm okay with that oh dear listeners you had to be there so so join us next time in a, in a couple-ish weeks when we do Rififi Rififi so thank you see you soon bye bye We'll see you next time on a noir education. Thank you for joining us for a real education noir. New episodes arrive on the 7th and 21st of every month. You can find our podcasts and social media feeds on our website at realedunoir.com. Special thanks to Tim Wick, Jeffrey Brown, and Chad Dutton for our theme music. If you like our show, you might also like our parent podcast, A Real Education, which discusses all genres of film. You can find it on the web at realedu.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time.